0: Hey, this is Marx, and you're listening to Into This. Into This is my podcast, and in this podcast, I interview people working in the contemporary arts. We talk about their work, their lives, and many more things. My guest today is artist Nicholas Fleming. Nicholas Fleming is an artist who works and lives in Kingston, Ontario, in Canada. He has received his BFA in Studio Arts from Concordia University in Montreal, and his MA in Visual Arts from the University of Quebec in Montreal as well, that is the UCAM. Nicolas' work relies on construction materials and building techniques developed in daily work, adapting construction sites' aesthetics to art dedicated spaces. By diverting the primary functions of commercial building materials, especially drywall and plaster, he elevates these materials and techniques through the fine arts of sculpture and painting. He repurposes construction materials to create compelling esthetics combinations for the viewer to discover. Some of his latest solo shows are Le Bureau, uh, that is the office in French, at Galerie Plain Sud in Longueuil, just south of Montreal. Love Seat, a water dispenser, a plant pot at Centre Clark, also in Montreal. And in terms of group shows, in 2021 he currently has a show called Public Space that is at the Visual Arts Center of Clarington in Beaumontville, close to Toronto in in Ontario. And in 2020, last year, he participated in a group show called Gazes in Dialogue at the Museum of Art of Joliet in Joliet in Quebec. In 2019, he participated at a pretty large show at Goffler Gallery in Toronto called Undomesticated and for all of these group shows, he didn't only contribute as an artist, but also as a curator, installer, and also doing some design. So he really enjoys the collaborations with, uh, with different artists and, and also art installers. And we'll hear more about that in the interview. So that is the formal introduction of Nico. And the way that this interview is gonna work, actually, this, this interview requires a manual. So I'll, I'll tell you how it's gonna go. So. We met back in 2019, when we could still record these conversations live and in person. And so we met in October of 2019. And so I'll play that interview first. I thought that it was really relevant. I recently attended one of his artist talks uh, for the Museum of Art of Joliet, actually. And we rediscovered this uh, interview and uh, we decided to post it because I think it's really relevant and he has a lot of really interesting ideas to share. And so I'll play first that interview from Turn 2019 and then I'll come back and I'll give you a little bit more information, but I'll play a Zoom call that I had with him in the past couple of weeks uh, in which he gives us an update of all of his work that he's been doing through the pandemic and his move out of Toronto to Kingston, Ontario. Uh, which is just only a couple of hours away, but it's definitely a big shift for him. And I also wanted to share a story with Nico, so he's gonna be talking about the show that he had in 2019 at Kofler uh, Gallery, pretty large show in which he essentially built his the layout of his apartment at the gallery, right? And then there were some more artists that showed some pieces there and essentially was like walking around his apartment. And so at the time that we um, found the space that now is TAP Art Space here in Toronto, he was about to take down that show. And uh, I was in conversation with him, and I, you know, I shared that I I needed to get some material because I needed to build the walls here at at the gallery, at the space. And very, very kindly, he offered me all of that uh, material from the show, and I, I cannot be more grateful. And for all of his contributions to this to this space, it wouldn't be the same without Nicholas Fleming. So we are very, very grateful with him. And I really enjoyed my conversations with him. And and he jokes at some point in the middle of the conversation, saying that he is gonna just come with me and host the podcast with me because it seems like we don't run out of topics to talk about. And I may take him up on that. So. Um, no, but this this was a, a really enjoyable conversation for me. And uh, I hope that you guys enjoy this. So this is me and Nicolas Fleming talking. This is pre-pandemic, so no COVID talk. Enjoy. Yeah, so l- let's go right ahead. Um, thank you first for uh, allowing me to uh, record this conversation with you. Of course. For a while now, since we met probably about two years ago. Yeah. I was like following your work and it's pretty... Uh, impressive output of work that you do in a in a year and um, i wanted to start with with that usually i go a little bit slower but i like to start this time talking about your work by you output
1: you mean the quantity
0: or? like yeah all the all the shows that you yeah. do and and on top of that i know this year was a specially you know loaded year with the show at goffler Sure. And a show in a couple of shows in Montreal.
1: Yeah. Is that right? At yeah, Plain Sud. Mm hmm. Yeah.
0: Plain Sud in Longueuil. Yeah. Which is where you are from. Yeah. <laughs> hometown. Nice.
2: Nice.
1: <laughs> Longueuil in the house. Yeah. Um, there's a good crew of artists from Longuei, like, surprisingly, not all, like, in the visual arts, but, you know, like, the friends that I grew up with, like, a lot of us, like, ended up in one way or another related to some kind of art practice. You That's know? cool. Yeah. That's cool. Is that, do you remember being...
0: In, for instance, I don't know what was that CJ when you were still living in, in Longay
1: or was even still, before that. Yeah, I was. Uh, I lived in Longay until the end of my undergrad at Concordia. Okay, so, okay. Yeah. So, was there some sort of,
0: um, you know, kind of like wave of artistic influences that went around there that a lot of people got into the arts? Or why do, why do you think that there's a lot of people that ended up being involved in the arts?
1: uh I don't think longay is specifically conducive <laughs> to producing art, <laughs> but, not to say uh, anything bad about longay no but, no no, yeah. but uh no, I don't think there's anything specific there. I feel like it was very uh free, and we had i think we went we all went through uh the group of people that I was with like some some sort of punk rock years kind of uh movement of uh you know, not being tied to anything and just like speaking our mind. So, yeah, Yeah. I guess maybe that's part of it. For sure. yeah, For sure. Must be. Um,
0: And uh, so you said that you grew up there all the way through undergrad, right? How big is your family?
1: Do you have siblings? I have a younger sister and a younger brother. Uh, My brother is uh, a bit more than a year uh, younger than me and my sister five years younger than me. Okay, okay. Are they involved in the arts I know. Uh Not anymore, but okay. uh, my brother uh, was a musician okay. uh, for a long time. Now he's, I don't know if you could say retired, but he's not practicing anymore. Right. And my sister got into dance to some degree, but I didn't follow through with it because, uh, yeah, because she's a more of a... A uh, grounded person, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> How do you mean that? So she got a job? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. So she's working and yeah. she doesn't have time for
1: she's working and she's uh like in the in nutrition and she's helping other people like okay. in a concrete way. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, I
0: feel like that that's like a loaded thing. Yeah, it's very loaded. What do you mean to say?
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a more direct approach to uh, you know having a positive uh, influence or like uh, impact on other people's life, right? I think in right. a More direct way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what you're implying
0: though is that in the arts, there's also that feeling of creating something positive for the world, let's say, but it's not in a very evident way, in a very easy access way. Is that what you mean? Kind of? Yeah, I'd yeah? say so.
1: Okay. Yeah, it's not even clear to me. Right. You know? It's not clear what it what it means. No. Because okay. I, I I think you I, I started doing art just because it came naturally to me and it was just uh I guess fun. Yeah. And uh but then when you start asking yourself why and what like what's your contribution to society uh through what you do in life uh for me it's not clear how much of a you know i, I think i could probably be doing something better as a contribution better in quotes as a contribution to like make a better, you know, society or environment around me and, you know, as a whole, maybe on a larger scale also, but uh, yeah. maybe not. Like, I'm not, I don't know. Uh, sure, I don't know, uh, you know, what's my impact on other people's life. You know, when you're a doctor yeah. and you save someone's life, I mean, it's very obvious like, yeah. that you save someone's life, you know, yeah. when you're an artist, well, Oh, but but nice I feel much. like
0: many other things. I mean, you yeah. think of uh, some other uh, professions and perhaps, yeah, as you mentioned, perhaps a doctor, perhaps a teacher, right? Sure. It has like a very direct influence. Yeah. But I would say most of other professions and jobs, it's also very, it's not very clear. It's not very clear cut. I would agree. Yeah.
1: But I think that like often we're asked, uh, in general, as artists, why we 're doing what we do, and so maybe maybe we spend more time thinking about it, and maybe that 's why this uncertainty that 's where this uncertainty comes from, yeah, yeah, evidently
0: you have been thinking a lot about that yeah um, and even when you just said that perhaps you don 't know exactly what the <laughs> the uh, impact is um have you arrived to some sort of I don't want to say explanation for yourself, but like, have you been able to make pieces with whatever your contribution is, whatever your, um, whatever you see that your work adds to, as you said, society? How does that look for you? What is, what is your take on that?
1: I don't know that I'll get there one okay. day. Okay. Okay. You no. Okay. It's. Uh... Yeah, it is a loaded way to start an interview. <laughs> Super loaded.
2: It's juicy. It's just I like. I think
1: it, it should like <laughs> we we should maybe mention like to the people that are listening that we've had like conversations along these lines oh, before okay. you and I off, you know, uh, you know uh, not uh, on the record. I'll right get <laughs> I'll get to that. I'll get to <laughs> <Sure>. that.
0: <laughs> no, but you know, it, it's really interesting in these conversations because um I guess you're right in that. Usually it takes a little while for my guest and me to warm up to just go ahead and just talk about stuff. But yeah, it's true because of you and I, we've had several previous conversations. I guess we can just move ahead and go on to the, to the juicy stuff.
1: So when I fast forward to after my graduate studies, I guess I stopped doing art because m- maybe partly because I didn't understand what I could be doing that would be so interesting to Mm -hmm. anybody you know like why what is it that i have to say that makes it worthwhile for me to do it more so than someone else and i couldn't really come up with an answer so maybe somewhere, uh, in the back of my mind, that was not, you know, something I was directly thinking about, but I started being a technician, uh, installing exhibitions for other artists. Mm -hmm. And maybe in that sense, you know, I, I felt that even though I did not necessarily understand what the other artists were thinking or what their goal was, you know, I was helping them accomplish whatever uh, they were after, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of the answer. Right, yeah. right. Um, so that was right after your MFA, uh, do you come? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'd say roughly around that time. You know, right. I was working as a as a waiter in restaurants for yeah. about, uh, well, during my MFA and uh, afterwards also, but slowly got into uh, art handling and, and exhibition installing. Yeah became a full-time job eventually. And it's very clear for you
0: that the reason why you stopped producing art, because of that thinking, that concept of, I don't know if what I'm doing yeah. is going to have an impact yeah. or something. Yeah, OK,
1: interesting. I didn't think I was more interesting than anybody else. Right. I didn't see like how I could, uh, in good conscience, uh, occupy, for example, uh, you know, a month or two months in an exhibition space Yeah. uh, why I should be the one person to have that privilege. And, you know, it's it's kind of like when you're, I don't know, when you're like a teenager and you're doing, I don't know, you start maybe writing uh, songs, for example. You don't have a lot of, uh, or writing anything. You, you don't have a lot of life experience, so mm-hmm. you don't have any, like a lot to talk about. You right, know? So right, right. You're roughly always talking about the same things that teenagers go through, you know, so maybe that was the second time I had that, because <laughs> I did try <laughs> I had a very brief stint at composing music, oh, really? <laughs> well, of songs, you know, <laughs> and yeah, it didn't last very long because I, I just realized, you know, like when I was, I don't know, seventeen, that I had nothing to talk about, right? Know? So, <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I get that because, um,
0: I, I can relate to it when I was in high school. I tried to just write, and I realized so that I realized that whatever my character was. I didn't know. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't know what they're thinking. Sure. Um, No, but um, let me go back to that. So you are in your you're doing your MFA, right? You're doing this, and is that through that process of the confrontation that you have to go through in your MFA with yourself and your work was that the result that you said, you know what? I'm not really sure that my work, it's uh, or whatever I'm doing, it's be meant to be seen or something is that that came from that experience or how was that mfa experience for you
1: yeah i think that's what i ended up with and it was it wasn't for you know i think i had a relatively successful mfa uh project as a whole like uh, it was appreciated by a lot of the faculty and fellow you know students Um yeah, I just wasn't sure where I would take my work from there because mm-hmm. I saw it as that stint uh, in a university for two, a bit more, maybe two to three years as one project. And once I c- had completed that project, I felt like I didn't leave any doors open for me to pursue in that same direction. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I just stopped. <laughs> which doesn't look super good on a resume you know when you <laughs> like, what is what is this hole here like so it, like <laughs> why are you applying for a show five years after your mfa and you haven't done anything since yeah so
0: i i needed i needed a break from me no but uh so the type of work that you were making back then is it the same as uh, the type of work that you make now
1: uh it was uh performance based okay uh it had some painting involved and uh a little bit of i don't know if you installations a very nebulous term but yeah, uh, sure it had like several different elements in the space that composed the same work and um uh, yeah No, it was more performance-based, but it was very physical, so I think that would relate to the work that I do now. Because after that, because I started doing uh, installing and uh, more and more construction work, uh, that also was like pushing my uh, physical, you know, uh, capabilities to the maximum. Yeah. Until, uh, yeah. So you decide to to stop there
0: a little bit with your practice and you start to do the work for installing as a technician for different galleries and yeah. all that. Yeah. Um, how that influences your next step, how that goes to you and say like, well, maybe I'll step into this type of
1: work. I think that it really helped me to realize that I was not, I was never going to be the m- most intelligent or the more witty artist or the like the because I don't know after the MFA you feel like you need to be intelligent to do do art (laughs) to justify doing art (laughs) but I was never going to be you know I thought that I had maybe something for a lack of better term like something uh, that would be more appealing to Mm -hmm. A broader public you know to show because I think that sometimes the problem I have with uh, my my personal problem that I have with seeing exhibitions and is when the artist uh, that's showing is uh, so much focused on themselves and on their like in their mind that it's really hard for the public to access their work I'm not saying that it doesn't have its place in mm-hmm. the art world, but, yeah. you know, for me, it's really hard to relate to. And I think it's the same thing for a lot of people. And, um, you know, so, yeah. What was the question?
0: The <laughs> <laughs> question is um, the decision to jump to do the
1: type of work that you right. are doing now, right. For, right.
0: coming from that aspect okay. of being a technician, right? So,
1: well, being... being Uh, also a waiter at the same time as I'm doing all this work uh, made me realize that that being a waiter is really good for your wallet but you know it doesn't feed your mind so uh, it didn't feed mine Uh, and I, I decided that if I was you know going to make it uh Interesting for me to work in installing art and doing construction that I should use the uh the skills that I learned through this work in my art practice yeah so that and vice versa also because right. then you can when I'm working on an installation I'll try some things that i that I have never done before, like constructing like a a space as my art and then I can apply that to to work also so right. I think both like feed off one another so right now I'm I'm balancing this both lives together and doing like roughly 50 yeah. 50 you know of of paid work and uh, art practice that's pretty good balance yeah I like it yeah, I think for that, sure I think it's necessary for me to continue both you know I'm not looking to be an artist full-time no no that's not the thing that you want? Not not right now. Okay. I think I have. Uh, yeah, no. And that's because of why? That's because I I I uh, I learned so much through the work that I do. Uh-huh. You know,
0: yeah. That I can, you don't want to stop that. No influx.
1: Like I just said uh, before, I can also um, help. You know, other artists, and it's not only about myself, uh, yeah. which is something that yeah. I'm that I struggle with. Yeah, you know. Um, and i can also share the knowledge that i have with other art handlers and yeah installers and i think it's really important to like transmit that knowledge to other generations uh, that are coming up that are a bit younger than me and uh you know i don't think i can be a teacher uh but i think i can teach someone how to build a wall well, I mean that's, that's something I can do. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that, that classifies as uh, as teacher.
2: Yeah,
0: but <laughs> you I mean, know. Yeah, yeah, no. And, and um, you know, we have uh, had a you know short friendship so far, but uh, in that short period of time, I have noticed that the spirit of uh, you know helping or being altruistic is pretty strong in you, and you know that that's something that you don't come across you know often, and. As you said, you are helping artists to accomplish whatever they are chasing, right? Yeah. And it's very interesting that you know through that perhaps you are also achieving certain things that they wouldn't otherwise. You know. Yeah. That sounds to me like it's it's another way to access the impact that perhaps you know it's
2: True.
1: hiding from some people. But anyway, so I, I think I wanna, for me it's more yeah. important to get the idea out there and share it as part of a global conversation rather than to own an idea. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter if it's not mine. You know, Mm -hmm. what matters is that we're having a conversation. That's
0: that's very interesting because um, it has happened in a couple of past interviews that I asked the question of, what does it mean to be a professional artist? Right. And a lot of the times the answer is, well, what that means is to be part of the conversation, to actually have something to say about what's happening now, that it actually resonates with the conversation that is going on now, but I was thinking today to ask you this question about sure that that for sure is important and and it's clear that that's what you know artists practicing artists at this moment they want to be part of this, but what about the idea of transcending time? you know what I mean, so that the work and the the production that you have now doesn't stop only at the important aspects of this time. I wonder if it's even possible to try to achieve that, right? I mean,
1: I think that if if I was going to try to do that, I would fail. Mm. So I just have to speak about like what I know of and not like attempt to communicate to future generations. And yeah. if I speak about what I know now, yeah. This is what might be interesting to future generations, if we want to say it like that. Um, For sure. So the question is about like the how the work is going to transcend time. I don't like. I don't understand. I don't like saying. um,
0: I don't like using the word legacy, but kind of that. You know what I mean? Something like, well, your work as an artist. say it's impactful now and it's in it's valid in the conversation that is going on around the contemporary art world now um and well i guess you answered my question that you're not really worried about how is that going to be taken in a couple of
1: decades i think the impact that i'm looking for through my work is to have uh the people that see my work uh consider their everyday environment in a different way Mm. on a daily basis. Mm. And uh, maybe it won't be as relevant in the future. Maybe, you know, we won't use OSB plywood and drywall anymore. Maybe there's going to be something else, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, that's going to talk about this period in time where everything was made of drywall. You know, I think that, you know, through these materials that I use, which people are familiar with like to different degrees, like maybe they've had like renovations in their house. Maybe they walk by a construction site every day to work and uh, whatever it may be, you know, I think that if they see like this same type of aesthetic, but Mm -hmm. in an art context, then they can sort of relate to it in some way and then maybe become more interested in talking about, you know, just contemporary art, in general.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: That's a very interesting take, and and I wanted to approach that specific aspect of your work in kind of like a roundabout way. So um, I was thinking that your relationship with the space where you are going to be producing your work and making an installation and all that, perhaps that's a conversation that you had with the curator say of the show, right? So that's that's your relationship with the curator. And then the objects that you create is another of the main players of an exhibition and of your work, right? But I wanted to ask you exactly what you just uh, answered now. That is, what is your relationship with the viewer, right? The relationship with the viewer, which is another aspect to the exhibition, yeah. right? Um, is that the main thing that you like to accomplish in your
1: in your work i think more like the more recent work like yeah. in the past few years i've been using like rebuilding domestic spaces yeah. in galleries so uh of course everyone can relate to that for sure uh the uh furniture sculptures um I think is a little bit different in the in the sense that the visitors when they are confronted to this type of work will want to interact with them as if they were furniture and yeah. not as if they were sculpture. And the the their behavior towards these sculptures is the same as it would be towards furniture until that they, they realize like they, they have to step back and think, oh no, this is a sculpture. I'm in an art space now. I'm not supposed to sit on that chair. Right. And some people can't help themselves. They will sit on the chair because they don't understand why someone would make a chair that you can't sit on. Yeah. It's like uh, not fully grasping what Magritte was trying to say in his painting, like, ceci n'est pas une pipe, you right. know? Right. So, right. Uh, there's this kind of, uh, but I think that what happens when, when the visitor, even when they, maybe they're going to sit on the chair and then realize that they just did something they're, they're not supposed to do, but whatever their, you know, whatever the outcome of this exchange between the furniture and, and the visitor is, um, I think somewhere the visitor will have, will become more aware that their presence uh like their physical body is part of this Mm -hmm. installation and because they have to negotiate with the uh different aspects of of uh, the exhibition and that maybe they'll be more aware of how they're moving through the space and uh yeah through that uh relationship yeah i think
0: well that's definitely true and in terms of the, the furniture
1: like works that you've done. I mean, but when also... no one's looking, of course you're going to sit, you know, <laughs> when there's no camera and no I, one's in the gallery. <laughs> I, I know
0: I know some people and I won't say names because I want to yeah. keep them out. But like whenever they have the chance to touch the work, of they course,
1: do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've seen people touch art at the MoMA in New York. Oh, like, sure. Touch like Ellsworth Kelly's with their fingers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you doing? I think it's just part (laughs) You know, but for me, it's even more, you know, enticing, you know, for the type of work that I do.
0: (laughs) As you said, as you said, the work that you produce, uh, it's highly recognizable. And also, it's kind of like muscle memory. You see a chair, you sit on it, right? No, but (laughs) what I wanted to say is that in the other, looking at it in a different light, um, your work, mostly the installations, is basically an immersive space right i mean you are yeah. standing in the work yeah and it's impossible not to negotiate with that yeah. as a viewer right so you are like in it and you are clearly i think it's clear that you are in the gallery but within a space that it was built for you to be in it yeah and i think that that confrontation is very very um it's very accessible rather than any other type of work
1: the viewers. I think it's very inviting. Exactly. It's not intimidating. No, exactly. You know? it's, it's very welcoming.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And and also again, the fact that um the way that it looks, the way that it feels is like home, right? I mean, it's like yeah. it's a it's a house, it's a it's a space that you know. Um so within that, obviously your installations step away a little bit from the white cube idea, right? Yeah most of the times. Um, is that on purpose? Is that is there an argument there to make?
1: I think that comes from maybe partly from my experience of hanging work mm-hmm. in uh, for private collectors in their houses, and you know realizing that even though you're looking for some kind of uh, I guess neutrality in, in the white cube that where the artwork is eventually going to end up is not going to be in a neutral space. Yes. And the conversation that's happening between, for example, uh, in in a house between a painting, uh, a table and a lamp, uh, to me is, uh, that's how the work lives. Yeah. You know, that's, the work is part of a conversation. It's not you stand know, standalone, Uh, object that has to be like evaluated only for it's what it is within it you know it's what's around it also and you know sometimes I've I went you know I've been to all kinds of uh, private homes to do this kind of work and for me the more interesting ones are the ones where they have super valuable art of well-known artists hanging next to their kids drawing you know And that's, that's a conversation going on. Or like photos from their trip, you know, like framed on the wall next to, I don't know, I'm not going to name artists, but like (laughs) blue tip artists, you know. (laughs) And these people kind of integrate uh, these artworks in their everyday life. But, you know, it's just part of everything that's going around them. It's not, you know. Yeah, definitely. That's how I feel about it. Sure. No, I I get it. Um, And
0: one of the things that I constantly go back to when when speaking about that White Cube concept is that it's very rare in general in life that you get an experience so concentrated, right? I mean, as you said, like, I mean, things are going to be around it. I'm not even sure why you would want it. Exactly. I mean, and also as a viewer, I think... It's a, lot more, um, it's a lot more engaging if you're just looking at one object, right? It's a lot more intimidating. That's what I want mm. to say. Because then you're forced to just think of that thing, you know? And I feel like it, it's, a, it's a valid concept. It's fine. It, it's how we normally see art. But at the same time, I feel like you as a, as a viewer in conversation with whatever work, it's completely out of the context of your yeah. life. Yeah. And so unless you are extremely used to, you know, visiting places like that, when that becomes a normality for you, you will probably have that effect of like, oh, this is important. You know, I should be thinking about Mm -hmm. this in a very different way that I'm not used to. Mm -hmm. And I think that sometimes that alienates and kind of makes all this contemporary art world very inaccessible for a lot of people
1: sometimes i wonder like i think that's probably i can't say this for sure because i don't know enough about this but i think that it has a lot to do with our north american experience of how to show contemporary art i don't think it's like a lot of places around the world are modeled after the white cube but in a lot of i think probably most art spaces aren't uh, the... For example, when you go to the Venice Biennale and they have all the shows in the palazzos like all around the city, it's not a neutral space, you know, Mm -hmm. it never... Right, And it doesn't make it like a, a... Yeah, I think, I don't know where the White Cube specifically comes from. Like, I wonder if it's from like, having large warehouse spaces mm. maybe you know at affordable pricing mm-hmm. is that where it comes from i don't know but uh there's the obvious white cube gallery in london you know i wonder if that's where it comes from you know mm-hmm. did 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 they come up with that concept? And I don't right. know. I don't know who came up with it, but I, I just don't think it's very widespread. You know, right? Uh, as much as we like to think about it, like North America is not, you know, the only, you know, yeah, fit, you know, geographical space in the world. You know, this <laughs> is not a North American centric, you know, planet. <laughs> I think we have probably have that perception because we're here. But
0: uh, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> a, few, a few years ago, a couple of friends artist friends from Montreal, originally from Mexico, made an exhibition that it was called Mexico is also North America. Right. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of white cubes in Mexico, uh, too. uh, No, (laughs) sure. But it's about that concept of like, this is not it. And again, this becomes a matter of microcosmos, right? Going around and when you go to see a bunch of different galleries and they all look the same, you may think that that's a norm. You know, sure. This is how art is shown in galleries for yeah. collectors to come and perhaps get interested in it.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, But of course, there's like a wide range of different things, right? I mean, whenever you go to see one of your shows, it looks like a stand, you know, that what you're doing in the gallery it looks like a real
1: yeah. Stand. It's a reaction exactly like to the white cube. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah. think we could say that. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Yeah.
0: Um. Now I'm gonna step completely back. Okay. So when you were growing up in Longay, yeah. did you have any artistic influences? Or in general, what kind of influences? Like your your parents, were they in uh, what kind of work? My parents
1: are not in the arts, but they were very supportive of their children doing whatever they wanted to do. Yeah. And um, I guess they were in a position to also allow us to do that. Yeah. Um, like middle class i don't know my grandmother painted a little but like okay. nothing you know nothing major you know no one yeah. who would like consider them as an artist yeah. you know as a professional artist no right yeah,
2: yeah. i have um, yeah. some
1: uncle and aunt that are architects but you know it's a bit i think stretched to mm-hmm. say that they would be like a direct link but maybe they're part of it you know sure it could, it could be yeah. am yeah, I couldn't say where that comes from. Maybe you should ask my parents. Give <laughs> <laughs> me their numbers. I don't know. a good them. story, you know. Oh, sure. Yeah. For they, that kind of thing. They oh, were yeah, of course tell them, I yeah. knew he was gonna be an artist. Exactly. They were <laughs> drawing say at that. two years old. <laughs> or something, you know. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> no, that'd that's that's great though, because I mean, um, I, I think you're right. You're onto something saying that perhaps you don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, but some people who were around you, perhaps they probably maybe. Yeah. But you know, like my parents let me paint on the walls in their house, you know, yeah. and stuff like that. So they were, were very open with it. But yeah,
0: yeah. I, I love asking the question about the influences and if you can track back your beginnings to your interest to the arts because it's never that clear. You know, I mean, some people right. can say, like, oh, yeah, my, my dad is an artist. And then you can, okay,
1: I understand that, you know, but. I think as a kid, yeah. I had a really, like, really great art teachers at school. Right. Like, right. I don't know if they still have art in school. Like, mm-hmm. but. Uh, <laughs> but it was <laughs> they great. That? I mean, yeah. that was something. Uh, I was really fortunate for that. Yeah. But, uh, I did. And I think I that, Mexico, okay, Mexico, yeah. so, like, my our parents did send us to this. Uh, kind of, uh, weekend activity program, uh, for several years mm. in, uh, uh, St. Lambert. Yeah. Uh, every weekend, like we would go there and then we would have like our, our music class and our yeah. arts class and also judo and, you know, other things. But, you know, I think that the camps, yeah, yeah, sort of, but like yeah. year round, right? Like not every only weekend, in the summer, yeah, 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 yeah. So maybe that's something. Sure, I had uh, I had some good music teachers, mm-hmm. like, I briefly played like ukulele and then guitar, and yeah. those I imagine were positive influences, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: And then the moment that you realize that that's what you want to do, when is that?
1: Oh, I'm not sure I've realized it yet. <laughs> <laughs> You're still on the way after a couple of degrees and so, a yeah, and... <laughs> People have different stories about that, too. But uh, So I was really surprised. I went back to the the, the CJP where, where I had the show recently. Yeah. And I, a couple of years back, I gave a talk to the students there, and one of the teachers introduced me to the group. Hey, this is Nicholas Fleming. Uh, the first time that uh, I met him in the introductory class, we did a roundtable, and I was asking everybody, like, what's your name? What are you going to do? Like, yeah. why are you here? And to me, it was really surprising that I was the only one in the class that answered, I'm here because I want to be an artist. Huh. Like, no one was there for that reason. Yeah, And I was wondering why, like, I was in an art program, and no one wants to be an artist. <laughs> well, yeah. <I laughs> but mean. That's, in, uh, that's in CGEP, so I guess that's what CGEP's for, you know, so try you to try to figure that score. out. Yeah, right? yeah, for yeah. myself, apparently, like, I but, knew at that time, yeah. but then... When I was on a five-year hiatus, you know, I wasn't sure. And now I'm thinking, you know, I really enjoy mudding walls, you know. Maybe I could be a mudder. (laughs) Maybe next life or... But I wouldn't mind doing that full-time, you know. I really... What is mudding walls? uh, Like putting plaster on the seams. Okay. You know, they call it mud instead of plaster. Okay, okay, okay. Right. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) Like as long as I have another project on the agenda, that's great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I keep it coming and that's fine and I love it, but... uh, Yeah. I don't know. I don't know Mm -hmm. for how long I'm going to do this. (laughs) Okay. Okay. That's
0: that's a very interesting
1: take. I think every time, you know, that that an opportunity comes up, some of the opportunities I look for and some come to me, you know? Yeah. Uh, But every time something comes up, I feel super thankful. Sure. Maybe that uh, that this is happening Mm -hmm. and... When, like going back to what I was saying earlier, like when I have this opportunity, I'm also conscious that this is an opportunity I'm taking away from someone else because having a show in this space is very competitive, you know? Mm -hmm. So I really, every time I try to give it my all, I don't take this responsibility, you know, lightly, you know, for For me, it's very important to try to have you know, as we were saying, some sort of contribution to yeah. like the the conversation that's going on in that space, in that city, in that, you know, in that context. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I feel it's my duty. I think some, maybe some artists take it for granted that they have shows and maybe I'm not reading it well, reading like mm-hmm. what they're showing well mm-hmm. and well, there's no like solution to all this, but I think that you know, yeah. For me, it's really important. I I try to take each opportunity like it was my last one. You know, like <laughs> that must be really. Um, maybe that's why I stressful. work a hundred hours a week. Yeah, you that's know? It. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: So I mean, yeah, it sounds like very committed but at the same time a little bit stressful is that stressful at all for you
1: like when, whenever I, you have
0: a show it's like very it's like crunch time it's i think it's
1: fun okay i enjoy like okay. working a lot yeah yeah like sure. uh uh for me like building building a house in a gallery that's like you know i have a studio but that's my, I'm creating my work in the of gallery, course. You know, of course, that's yeah. my studio time. You yeah. know, that's the time that I'm fully dedicated to my exactly. art practice. I wanted to get into that in talking
0: about what people call, I don't know if you like this term, but like what people call your process, right? Your process of creation. Sure. Um, so evidently, in pieces like that, you do it in, at the gallery. You yeah. build these pieces there. There are some other pieces that are done, I guess, at the studio, like the furniture and all that, smaller yeah. pieces. Yeah. Um, so what is that? What is that for you, the process? How do you go about starting to think about what kind of work you're going to make and all that stuff? So I try to make
1: as like least decisions as I can, because okay. there's a lot to make in this type of work. So I try to limit myself. So for example, I would say almost all of the objects slash furniture that I that i make are things that i find on the street so i don't oh. you know i decide which object i pick up but you know i'm not gonna go buy a certain object that i want to cover with drywall it right. has to be like something that i found on the street so that limits right. my options for the uh the builds in the galleries Recently, I've been redoing existing spaces, Mm -hmm. trying to even move away further from the decision-making. Of Mm. course, I decide which space I'm going to rebuild, but I don't have to make decisions of why uh, a room would be a certain size, or it's also based on the limits of the the time that I can use for the build, the money that's uh, attributed to the project. And uh, yeah, like all the, all those resources and the space itself Gallery is space, what yeah. like mm-hmm. decides you know on mm-hmm. on the scope of the project. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, rebuilding my my apartment was great because yeah. you know I didn't have to make any decisions <laughs> about you know it's just my apartment I'm gonna try to fit it all in the gallery. Yeah, <laughs> and the
0: and the the fact of moving away from making those decisions, what, why is that? You don't like making those because you think it's as random as the ones yeah. you would make.
2: Yeah,
1: uh-huh. I don't see any added yeah. value to it or added like in interest. You right. Know? Think, uh, right, yeah. Or do you attribute any
0: value to the fact that that's a real space where people actually live and interact with the space well, or that's not?
1: M- maybe yeah. it it has that more welcoming feeling because of that. You mm-hmm. know? And if I would design it myself, maybe it would be awkward sometimes. Yeah. Right. A lot of the decisions are like uh, spatial decisions are also made uh, during the install, yeah. I try to do a plan before, but inevitably something goes wrong, or I've mismeasured something, mm-hmm. or I, I'm short on time, or you know, sometimes I even add stuff because I ordered too much material. So <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. yeah, there's enough to talk about as is that I don't <laughs> need to add like even right. more content. Right. You know? right, right, right. Let's
0: take the opportunity to talk about the show that is currently up at Kofler uh, um, but so basically what's happening there is that you rebuild the layout of your current apartment. And then within that space, you invited, well, you can tell me better about the process of making that exhibition, but some other artists that are included in the show are showing the work within the space of your right. apartment layout, right? Yeah. hmm So
1: the... I assisted the head curator at right. Koffler in the curatorial process, yeah. but uh, she she took the lead because I have no experience in doing this. But yeah. I think it was really interesting uh, to sort of learn about what's going on. Uh, the so I think that show was for me like a m- blending everything together, like the role that would be attributed to certain people in the process of conceptualizing and building uh, an exhibition. So more specifically, the role of the curator, the art director, the artist, and the technician Mm -hmm. or like exhibition installer. I participated in all these roles in this project. And I think that Everybody's, like, attributed roles overlapped on other definitions. So the choice of the artist wasn't all me. And the choice of the materials that we use was sometimes not me either. Like, I had, like, a certain bank of materials from which the installers could pick out and uh, give their own... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, sort of creative input to how this space should look by using these materials and by having different people uh, contribute to that process. I think that it made this like the space more dynamic. Like you, you mentioned that it's the my apartment in the gallery, but it's also uh, interventions in, uh-huh. in the whole building on the three yes. uh, hallways and two stairwells, um, and also, like the curator also had some input in the aesthetic of, you know, the material that yeah. I'm using, but just just because it's fun, you know, to sure. say, hey, let's do it like this. And, yeah. and I'm like, sure. So I would just say, I tried to say yes as most as I could, you know, like within the limits of, you know, being reasonable in terms of other constraints such as time yeah, uh, to, you know, let all... All this information in the project and and the artists that were invited most of them uh, like their their work is based on uh objects or furniture mm. and uh, those were the works that were included in in the in the show so yeah like even like conceptually speaking i'm building a space for other artists like i'm doing in my technician job yeah. you know and but that's become
0: my art practice that's right and I wanted to ask you as well, when you were mentioning that you were assisting in the curation of the show and all that, are you interested at all in curating
1: shows and all that aspect to well, I'm, the arts? Well, what or? I'm most interested in is to not have these titles right. defining the roles. Yeah. So, sure, I could say that I'm interested in curation in... The way that we talk about it now, but I think ultimately for me, everyone in, involved in the creation of an exhibition would simply be a contributor and they would not be an art director, a curator, an artist, or a technician. Yeah, you know, they would just all be under the same umbrella and we're all in this together and it doesn't matter like who put in more work mm-hmm. and. Uh, it's not about quantity. It's not about quality. It's about a lot of people coming together and putting it out there, you know? So yeah. that's something that I have to work on. I'm not sure exactly how to deal with that because, yeah. you know, how, how do you get, uh, <clears throat> people interested in your exhibition if there's no name on top of the list, you know, sometimes or, or, I like people yeah. look for names on top of the list. Yeah. Like if, well, I can see it being very hard to get everyone on board with that concept, Yeah, you know, uh, in certain circumstances. Yeah. Like I'm not, like I haven't tried yet, so I don't right, know. But, right, Yeah, right. uh, Maybe some artists wouldn't want to be in the same list right. of contributors as a technicians. Yeah. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe some technicians don't want to be in the same list mm-hmm. as artists because they don't, they maybe have an art practice of their own and they don't want their name to be affiliated to a project for which they're not showing their art. Sure. And you know, sure. I don't know there can be a million reasons. Yeah. So yeah. you know I can think about this, but I don't know how to get there. And I don't know if I will. But I, I think it's important that I'm thinking about yeah, it yeah, to sure, start no. with. But I but I think I mean what, what it sounds to me is that you're speaking
0: to basically a feeling of relinquishing that sort of uh I don't know maybe recognition that it goes along having one name only mentioned there.
2: Yeah.
0: Is that because you are trying to democratize all this stuff in that sense? Or or that just comes from one um, very specific objective of just saying, like, let's see what happens as an experiment?
1: Um, I like when I don't know. Mm -hmm. The artist, or the artists, when I go see an exhibition. Mm -hmm. I I especially do like come up, up on these situations when I'm in another country and I visit a gallery and there's no like clear signage of exactly what the show is, and I can just step in and experience the work in a very personal manner. Whereas if I know who the artist is, it does give you more information if you're interested in that, but I'm not looking for that. I'm looking to experience the exhibition, you know, as it comes to me and not for the work that's been done before mm. and not for the work that's going to be done later, but try to live in the moment. And I think it's very loaded, you know, when you know it's not, I don't think it's about uh, democracy. Yeah, I think it's just about... Just living in the moment and not having like, oh, yeah, not, you know, paying more attention to a work because, you know, it's from an artist that you like. Yeah. But I got to say at the same time, I don't go see art shows anymore, but uh, or very little. Maybe it's because of that. I don't know. You don't know why? You don't know why you don't go anymore? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. Well, I'm not sure. I go when I'm a tourist in other countries, Uh but I don't go. Locally, locally, as much. Well, you also have a daughter. Yeah, <laughs> but I, I, I guess that's the thing. <laughs> but even before that, right, right. So I think um, one of the subjects you wanted to talk about was the move from Montreal to Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah, that's yeah. a good transition. I'll, I'll, will go <laughs> to okay, that point in one okay. minute. I okay. just
0: wanted to to segue into the sure. other thing that you were saying yep. about. Um, so let me put one of the thought that I I consider. Not a rule, but something that I sometimes do follow that is um, sometimes I feel and perhaps it's because of my level, beginner level of experience, I guess, in the art world in that personally, whenever I have the chance to see work of artists that I know somehow, it creates a different way of accessing the work that for me enhances it. Yeah. You know, but you were saying... The opposite so do you yeah. think that that's because it can go both ways yeah okay yeah. okay that's I, interesting because i just yeah, think the a... experience that i personally prefer yeah. is that right one, right right, right. But, the one yeah. that you when you yeah. don't really know because yeah I, I understand that too
1: like i wish i could go to like a exhibition yeah. space yeah whatever it is and that it never had any names in it and that i liked every show that's there you know and that i would go mm. just because i know that this is a space that uh-huh. shows work that I'm interested in.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: That would be like the ultimate for yeah. me. But it it's impossible. Right. So the the most because what draws people to exhibitions is the names. names. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Well,
2: yeah,
0: exactly. No, but so <laughs> the most off-putting thing for you in a, in an institution then is to go to see a show and there's like the square next to it with the Name, the title, yeah, and the I do it. it, yeah, 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 okay, no, yeah,
1: I don't look at it, yeah,
0: yeah, I, I think it's too much as like, well. Have you, but...
1: have you seen this person's work before? I don't know because I don't read the tag, you know, uh-huh. I don't know if I've like when someone asks me this, uh huh, maybe, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I don't know that it's that person's
2: work, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh-huh.
0: so the associations that you make when navigating
1: certain works. I think so. I think certain times it's really important right. like for r- retrospectives. Yeah. Like that's important. Uh-huh. Like I'm, I like retrospective exhibitions. I like to see like the full career of an artist in that context. I can see it being important, Yeah, you know? but I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I'm import. I'm important enough to have my name written big on a wall. I don't <laughs> think so. You know, that's not what I want. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know
0: that's a big conversation topic as well who decides when is that time right i mean like that's that's a big thing of power dynamics in the art world is pretty it's unfortunate but it's real you yeah. have to deal with it um you know, you know i still,
1: i do have the apprehension of being here because it's again it's about me you know <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and i i know that you know yeah and I just had this catalog published about my work, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. and just by saying that I'm uncomfortable with it, I'm promoting it at the same time, you know? <laughs> <So>. You know, <laughs> one of the things that I've been
0: learning slowly in all this involvement as well is that, all oh, we all have a lot of contradictions yeah. and you have to deal with them. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's sometimes it's really honestly impossible not to. Yeah. And you know, you have an opinion, but at the same time, there's some other things that need to happen. Yeah. You know, and, and that's impossible not to do it. Um, but yeah, so going into into the uh, topic of Montreal expats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been in Toronto? Uh, five or six years. Yeah. Six, yeah, five or six, six years. six years. Yeah. Yeah. And the move was why? Because my partner yeah. found a job here. Right. Yeah. Right. The transition. What was the most difficult part of the transition between Quebec and, and Ontario? Um or the best. Let's talk about the best things. Let's talk about how it went. Yeah. And let's then talk
1: you about can decide what's the that's best it, and what's that's the worst.
0: It. Exactly. Let's <laughs> talk about that.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I came a bit later to the to Toronto because I had things to finish up in Montreal. Uh the first shock I think for probably everybody that moves to Toronto is the price of of uh, apartments. Housing. Yeah, mm-hmm. housing, um, because my partner had a job already here. There was a certain stability because mm-hmm. of that, you know? Yeah. I can take my job anywhere, like installing exhibitions, but I have to make myself known for that. Yeah. So it takes a while to get established. The best part, I think, is the winters. Man, I don't uh, miss Montreal winters yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> Looking
0: and, forward for that, for sure.
1: And um, the, reputa- the things that I'd heard about Toronto before, like I didn't really know anything about Toronto because it's just as far from from Montreal to go mm-hmm. to New York. So yes. I never came to Toronto. Right. You know, I always went to New York when I had a three-day weekend. Yeah. Uh, so the reputation is that there's more money in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure, like, I actually, no, I know who has that money <laughs> 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 because I go to their houses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> to install the work is like you, motherfucking one percent. You know, yeah. I don't think it, it trickles down to the artist. This is what I, this Again, is what probably I'm Probably not. Say, you know? Probably not. So the artists aren't making more money. Maybe they're selling more work? Maybe not. I don't know. But their apartments are smaller. My studio costs about four times the price per square foot as the one I had in Montreal. And, um, yeah. So I think the first adjustment is uh, economic. Yeah. And, uh, But then you also have to think that it's just not the same thing, you know, like artists in Montreal are also complaining about the price of their studio. So it doesn't matter where you are, you know, you always want a cheaper studio, sure. like whatever. (laughs) So so you just have to kind of go with the flow and see what happens, I think. Um, I don't know where I heard this before, but I heard this from someone else uh, that it takes five years to establish Mm. yourself in a new city. Yeah. It's been five years, and Uh now I have the show at Koffler, so I feel that it's, like, dead on. (laughs) It worked out right right. for me, and I was patient for that time because I didn't have a lot of things going on uh, for a while. I didn't have a studio for a while because I couldn't afford it. But, uh, yeah, eventually things picked up, and, you know, I got there. But it's rough. I think the, the fact that I had someone... You know that I was in a relationship with. Mm-hmm. You know that could pay for the rent mm-hmm. was a major difference. Yeah. Um. I f- yeah. In terms of of
0: the community, um, I guess moving out of Montreal, you already had your community there, very established. Yeah. In terms of both work that would pay your bills, yeah. but also possible exhibitions. You know.
1: Around the city, Um, how do you find that here? Is was it? I think that my network is developing very slowly Mm -hmm. because I'm older, and because I think when you're well, when I was younger, I was socially more active Mm -hmm. or interactive, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and now less so. Yeah. Um. So it's hard for me to compare, you know. Yeah. But. Uh in terms of like artist community, like my community is the art installers. That's my community. Right. Okay. Those are the people that I can relate to, yeah. you know, on an everyday basis, like in our lives are similar similar sort of, you know. Right. Right. In terms of work, well, eventually someone lets you drywall. <laughs> and then that someone tells someone else, hey, I know someone who can drywall. So that's pretty how well. it picks up. <laughs> <And> <laughs> well, suddenly, that's the way it goes, right? Suddenly you're, yeah. you know, mudding the Yoko no show at the gardener. <laughs> and that's how it happens. <laughs> but uh, I think that knowing drywall and, and mudding it was very instrumental. In me getting work mm-hmm. uh, because it's a very specific skill. Yeah. So I think anything, any skill that you have, yeah. you know, if it's very specific, more than general, you know, yeah. then if you find the right people, then people just talk to each other. Sure. And it just happens like that. So, I mean, I
0: think it's a very curious way of of having those two practices that are very intertwined. Yeah. But at the same time, because of the context of it, it completely changes. Right. Yeah. It's like it doing the same thing. The intent, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the intention that changes, yeah. And so that's very, that's very cool yeah. to be able to do that because I've talked to different artists that, for instance, they have what they consider two different practices within the same. Time frame, so they have their commercial practice, and they have the practice that they want to really do, you know. And I think that there's a lot of compromises there, right? I mean, yeah. they might be doing something that you're not really feeling comfortable with, yeah. but in your case, it's all in. You, know? it's yeah. like, you probably get really satisfied out of the work that you do in yeah. a regular basis. I mean, it's like it's, that's the work that you want to be doing. But so, you became a father. <laughs> yeah <laughs> recently yeah. How, how old is your daughter
1: one year old Very nice one year old yeah how's that been well this is probably my big coming out because no one knows about her <laughs> Actually, no, no, no. What I'm do you
0: mean? My family doesn't know that I have a daughter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I'm just not very public about 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 her on social media. Oh so sure, pe- no. That, so people you, are I, like, "Wow, you have a kid, one yeah. year old? What are you talking about?" So where are all the pictures? <laughs> like, where are all the pictures? <laughs> like people that I've known for fifteen years. <laughs> well, he has a daughter. <laughs> Yeah, she's great. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know where to start. It's... Um, well, finally, you know, if I can't find, like, a specific reason for my art, you know, I know that I'm there to be a father, you know, and I right. have someone to take care of. Right. Like, for the rest of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. If I'm lucky enough, it's mm-hmm. likely, but... Mm-hmm. uh uh yeah, it gives you a sense of purpose. Sure. And that's very, I think that's very good for me. Yeah, yeah.
0: I wanted to to ask you if, if anything changed in in your work or in your the way that you think about all those things when she
1: came to be your daughter. I think that all the answers that I have to this are so stereotypical. Okay. <laughs> you know, but I can yeah. say them. But it's like yeah. what any what you would hear a lot of parents yeah. say, like, now I'm not doing things for myself, you mm-hmm. know. I'm doing them also for her, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So that's great. It's um, it's, uh, it's awesome. It's more than great. That's good. And uh,
0: so I also wanted to say that um, I don't know if you want to say this in the podcast, but I'm super grateful with all your help that you've been you know, sure. offering, offering well, here. It's really like appreciated, and it wouldn't be the same without the. Um, selflessness that you're offering to this project is amazing
1: i think there i think i'm at that point in yeah. my life mm-hmm. where it's time for me to give back yeah. i think a lot of people gave to me before yeah. and i you know i took a lot also yeah. and now it's just that time has naturally come yeah. you know to me so i can't like give my all but yeah. i can give some That's of awesome. it, you know so thank you i try
0: yeah, that's great.
1: Well, um, you know, it,
0: it's funny, and perhaps this is a, an interesting story to share here, that when I met you, that was at the space in Montreal, TAP, that we were running until recently. And you came to see the show that Jeannie was yep. having there. And we had a really brief conversation there. And uh, I remember it so well that you you said, "Hey, I listen to your podcast, and I like when you ask really candid questions about like validation yeah. and success. Yeah. I cannot let you go without asking you those <laughs> questions now <laughs> I already answered it, so it's going to be boring I, guess. Like, but I sure. guess but no, I mean I think the validation piece that's a very i guess it's a cornerstone of these conversations in my podcast because <laughs> it it's it's funny how different and wild those answers are, right so Has it changed for you over the process of your career over time? Has it changed what validation, validation. what validation means to you? So define the word. What is that one thing that you are getting from whatever that is? That could be people, that could be resources, that could be shows, that could be you know any input towards you that allows you to think that moving forward with your career is the right thing you know that okay so this is working out this is giving me energy to continue yeah that's what i at least what i consider validation
1: i i'd say like a very recent experience for me that was very moving was at the opening at uh, the koffler show there was a lot of people Mm -hmm. it was their most well-attended opening ever there was all types of people. Mm-hmm. And when I saw a couple in their fifties that are the, the cleaners for Koffler gallery that showed up at the opening mm. for me, that was a very special moment mm-hmm. because I knew that I wasn't making art only for artists yeah, <laughs> and that, and this was the first time that they came to an opening at Koffler or anywhere. Mm -hmm. and they felt in that moment that it was the right time for them to go to this event and show their presence and i didn't get to acknowledge their presence and uh you didn't no because uh by the time i finished my conversation i couldn't see them anymore Uh but you know
0: that's uh, how it goes in opening next
1: time next time i see them when i'm you know, scraping the floor yeah. and, you know, they're vacuuming. Yeah. I'm just going to say, hey, it was really nice of you to come the other night, you yeah, know? Yeah, and
2: yeah.
1: yeah, to have uh, what I'm working on and other artists in the show and all the uh, the curator and the uh, the technicians, everybody, you know, mm-hmm. put this effort together mm-hmm. and it made it so that these two people came out. Yeah. I thought that was amazing. Cool. For me, that's validation.
0: Sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a pretty good answer yeah. <laughs> that's pretty <laughs> awesome yeah. yeah no that's that's
0: great that's great um and finally, I guess um, I wanted to get your take on. One thing that we briefly brushed on—I don't know if you are earlier in a brief uh, on a past conversation—but oh, is
1: this like a weekly thing? Are we going to have this conversation like every week? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like we could have a radio show. <laughs> <laughs> Next time, I'm going to interview you. <laughs>
0: we we can. We I'm can. sorry for interrupting. You, no, you can you Go can ahead. you can help me host this thing. <laughs> we can interview more people. Um, the. Uh, the art world is one that is kind of like exclusive a little bit. Let's just call it what it is. Sure. It's exclusive a little bit. And do you see any benefits in trying to opening it up? Or it's just more people doesn't help? What is your I mean I think it's just the art that? world
1: that we're navigating in. Right. I think there's we're just not aware of everything else that's going on. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So you think but that it's the just, one that we're navigating in yeah, is exclusive. I would say. Yeah, I mean that what we see as art. Right, right, exactly. So like, because there's a lot of art going on everywhere. Fears.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and yeah. and I guess, are you talking about the academic side of things? Is that what you're kind of like? No, I'm to? just saying that just there's like, I don't know, there's like street art.
2: Yeah, you know. No, for sure. That's, that's not I mean. that's yeah. not
0: exclusive. Yeah, no, no. That, so, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I guess art fairs and all that kind of stuff. That's what we're talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, But my question is, like, do you see any benefits on bringing in more people that perhaps are not coming from the same backgrounds and
1: same preconceptions? So every time that I've given a talk or an interview or something, yeah. there's always a question like that yeah. that I know I'm going to regret answering. <laughs> 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 because every time I say something like... Yeah. This is a perfect example where I say always or never, like I say, I'm never going to wear like a purple hoodie. The next hoodie that I (laughs) buy is going to be purple. And I contradict myself all the time. So thank you for introducing (laughs) like this question. And also like beforehand, you said that we're we're all full of contradictions. So that gives me like more freedom. So there you go. License. I'm not sure how to put this, but I'm going to try at first by saying, I feel like there's probably too many artists and too much art that's being produced to be supported by our system Mm -hmm. right now. I don't think we should try to support everybody. It's also part of what makes it interesting, but I think the art world is like people also like improvising themselves Mm as specialists when they're not. Mm -hmm. So where do we go from there? You know, I think that there's too many artists to show in the galleries and the artist run centers and whatever the exhibition space is. Like, what are all these artists, you know, that aren't showing, you know, it doesn't mean that they should stop doing art. I mm-hmm. think they should continue doing art, but mm-hmm. I don't think everybody should expect that their practice should be supported, Yeah. you know, by the system that we have yes. now. There's yeah. not enough money for that. Right. You know? I'd rather my taxes go fund uh, the health system yeah. than artists. Yeah. Personally, I'm just like <laughs> the majority of the population, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. But at the same time, you know, if you want to go down that rabbit hole, you know, I'd rather my money go to artists than funding a pipeline. So, you know, sure. it's super complicated as yeah. a question, you know? Yeah, yeah. But uh, I think that artists, As they are stereotyped, maybe, but stereotypes are always like based on part reality. I think Mm -hmm. too many artists expect that we owe it to them to respect them as artists and their art practice. And it's not necessarily justified. Like if, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, I can get butchered for saying things like this. It's totally crazy. (laughs) But, you know, it's uh, every time. So I have gotten, for example, some grants from the arts councils for various arts councils over the years. Right. The first times, you know, that I didn't get them, you know, I was disappointed. Mm -hmm. I won't lie to you Mm -hmm. because I wanted the money to do art. Now, if I don't get them, I'm just, you know, okay, there's Mm -hmm. not enough money for me. That's fine. I hope someone else does something better with Mm -hmm. it than I could have done. And that's what the jury decides, you know, that this jury has to decide. These people are the more relevant ones to the conversation right now. Yeah, It's not always how it works, but ultimately, like... I have to start with a ut- utopic mm-hmm. idea, mm-hmm. you know, of of the system of yeah. grants that we have, you know. Yeah. And then private collectors and private galleries, that's their own game. You know, it's a business, they can do whatever they want with art, you know. It's it's not ever, you know, it's <laughs> no who, are, who, who are we to have to say. To that, opinion, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can do whatever you want your money. Yeah, yeah, so you exactly. Can,
0: yeah, <laughs> that definitely. So yeah. So that that's from from the perspective of having more artists or more people creating art, right? How about people looking at it? People I involved think, in the thing.
1: I, I I think it depends who you're talking to. Like if mm. you're talking to like a commercial gallery, like it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know how many people go there? Like they're they're a business. What they want is to sell the work, so they want the good people to go there. Right. People that Very are going to buy from people, them. You yeah. know. Mm-hmm. Then if you talk to I don't know um, institutions or something institution mm-hmm. that needs to have a certain quota of attendance yeah. per year to receive uh funding funding for the next year, then they're just gonna bring in all the school kids and boost their <laughs> attendance. You know that's why they have all these school buses right. there. <laughs> I'm not kidding not you know, sure, that's, yeah. that's what they do yeah, yeah, you yeah, know yeah, yeah. but. A person is a person. doesn't matter. Huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm not really sure like how to answer this question, you know, mm-hmm. like who, it depends where they go, depends what's the purpose. Yeah. I think in general, I think it's, I think it's good for everyone to go to the museum mm-hmm. or somewhere, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's once a year just to do something different. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's really important. Yeah. I have varied experience. I think that's uh, undervalued. We're all like, very, I think, Again, generalizing, I can't stop myself. (laughs) Many of us are like hyper focused on what we're doing. Yeah. yeah. And I'm also guilty of that.
0: Sure, yeah. yeah. uh, And I think it's not hard to do that. You know, it's very easy to forget that not everybody is looking at the same things. What I mean by this is like sometimes if you get too much into this, for instance, like this area of interest, like art, you may forget that there are a lot of people who haven't been experiencing this. And that, for instance, when somebody asks you, like, so, what is to be an artist or, like, what is what is really, you know, your job or something like that, people would get offended and then you forget that it's very special, <laughs> you know, to, yeah. to be involved in these kind of things. Sure. It's not in a daily it is basis. Very special. There's a lot of privilege. It's, it's
1: only privilege. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah no, for sure. That's how I feel every morning when I wake up. Yeah. I, mean, I can't believe that I'm doing this. Right. You know? I can't believe that, I, that there's the infrastructure mm-hmm. like around me, not only like from institutions, from arts councils, yeah. but also like from my peers, yeah. from my family, from you, mm-hmm. from, mm-hmm. you know, anybody who's out there and. You know, just want to talk about it. You yeah. Know? I mean I can't believe it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's better probably that I don't understand fully, you know, that I don't get a full grasp of just, sure. you know, I think it's I mean, I
0: I don't know if somebody can really come out and say like that they understand exactly what's happening. I mean, I think we are all like, you know, trying to float around and see where we land a little bit. Of course, with a certain structure, you know, in this, but um I don't mean to include these projects or whatever I'm doing in in this. But uh, lately, I've been asked a lot, actually, here in Toronto, more than in Montreal. I guess at some point I was, as well, questioned about what do I want with all these projects, you know? Yeah. And maybe I should have a better answer. But what is clear to me, really, is that I am hoping that by actually doing things like this, yes. That answer comes out because I don't know. Yeah, and I think it's valid to say I don't know. Yeah, it's honest, at least. Sure. Well, it's better than pretending. But exactly. I mean, because (laughs) what am I going to pretend to say? Like (laughs) I, I don't know. You know, and so I think um, you know, there's room for that as well to say like, you know, what I'm trying to do something that I'm not completely understanding. That's definitely privilege. That's exactly it. Well, yeah.
1: <laughs> you don't even need to know. You know what? Well, you're absolutely.
0: Doing, um, you know? The the one thing that I would say, and it, it's the same case for you, is that, um, you know, you you have a way to sustain your thing. You yeah. you have a a system around you that you know sometimes is your work, and like if you allow me, let me ask you that: like, how do you sustain your practice?
1: Yeah, so through work and sales of works and grants. Sure. And all in different percentages each year. Yeah. Uh, Things just happen. Even my partner that I've been with for six years asked me, I don't understand how you can pay for a car. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know either. (laughs) It's working now, but move it. Don't even talk about it. Um, I think you need to have some kind of... Uh, I don't know, it was the... Like, the first time I got a big gig for, you know, building, for example, uh, the walls for Papier Art Fair in Montreal, I had no tools. I had never used a table saw, <laughs> never used a nail gun. Uh, I had nothing. Right. And for some reason... Someone put me up to this task and I said yes of course and then I got a Home Depot credit card yeah and I loaded it up bought all the tools figured out how they all worked and yeah. you know I wasn't very good at it, but I learned a lot doing yeah, it, and sure. I became better. Yeah. But, you know, it was kind of stupid, you know, in retrospect. There's a lot depending on you, you right. know, to to have a... It wasn't as big as it is today, but yeah. it was still a relatively, you know, big endeavor for someone who had never used these tools before yeah. to do all of this. You know? Yeah, And I just said, yeah, sure. And now <laughs> I say sure to a lot of things and then look it up on YouTube and, try, sure. you know, it's it's... You know, it's a little stupid,
2: yeah. No, you have no, to be no. a little
0: like, daring, you know? Yeah, exactly, exactly. But, and and it's the same thing with a car payment, right? <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's like, hey, can I do it? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if the car will pay for itself, you know? <laughs> Doing an Uber and stuff. <laughs> no, but um, I-, I want to say again, thank you so much for for giving me the time to, yeah. to chat. And, uh, thank you. Appreciate. It's nice to have this
1: chat. I hope you're yeah. going to you know, censor the right parts of the things that are stupid things i said. <laughs> <laughs> don't,
0: don't worry about that, don't worry about that. Um, no, I, pre- I appreciate your time and thank you for, for chatting. It's a lot of fun. That was very enjoyable and, and also very candid, which I really, really appreciated. Um, I think that he's really, really well aware that some of the comments uh, can be, you know, taken differently by different people who listens to this, and uh, just to make sure that I was okay or that he was okay uh, with all all this interview, he listened to it and he very funny said, um, you know, I, I I don't think that you know people are gonna like this, but I, you have my blessing to put it out there. So <laughs> here it is, and so this next part is actually just happened a couple of weeks ago. And I wanted to just get in touch with him to learn, you know, how has it been through the pandemic? And uh, I know that he has actually a couple of shows, like I said at the beginning of the conversation. He has a show that is up right now. It's called Public Space in Beaumontville, uh, close to Toronto, here in Ontario. And he talks a little bit about, you know, the, the transition between Toronto and Kingston. And he has also a correction to make from the first interview, in which I asked him what were some of his influences, and he had a correction to make. Um, his grandfather passed away, and he had a really sweet moment there in this uh, next conversation, and I uh, I really appreciated that moment, and I I think you're gonna enjoy it. So enjoy the rest of this uh, interview. This is again, this is over Zoom, and it was recently recorded. So um, this is back to the present and uh, I'll talk to you at the end of this. All right. So this is me and Nico again, and this is over Zoom. Enjoy. You essentially have a recording studio built into your house. The whole house is carpeted. So So the whole house
1: is the recording studio.
0: (laughs) Well, that's nice. (laughs) Thank you for making time to, to chat with me again and give me an update. The plan is we just came out of the, of the interview that we recorded, you know, a year and a half ago, and now we're in the present 2021, April, what's happening with you? Where are you now? I had to pull up my CV
1: because you said we have to talk about the things (laughs) that I did since, (laughs) since the last time we spoke. It's been a lot. It's been a lot. I think for many people and myself, uh, the time is like nebulous now, like, yeah. I don't even know, like, you know, I don't even know what, I, I know what day of the week it is, but you know, it's,
0: <laughs> it's uh, all, it's all like a, a mix, eh?
1: Yeah. It's very blurry and yeah. I don't really mind that personally. I think that's Okay. <laughs> um but uh, yeah so now i'm in uh, i moved to kingston um uh, my story is that uh, at the beginning of the pandemic we were visiting family in uh, montreal and then we learned that during a weekend and we learned that on the Monday, our kid couldn't go back to daycare, that everything was closing down in Toronto. So yeah. on our way, on our drive back to Toronto, we just decided that we would stop in Kingston because uh, my grandfather uh, passed away a bit more than a year ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, my my family held on to his house, which was empty. So we were like, okay, instead of going back to our, Toronto apartment where it's going to be hard for my partner to work from home and for me to take care of of the kid at the same time because it's smaller. Yeah, Uh, We just stopped here. And uh, now we're living in the beige carpet house. (laughs) I mean, that that story
0: sounds like pretty streamlined. Have you told it many times?
1: (laughs) Uh, A few times, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, I mean, you were driving from Montreal to Toronto. You saw Kingston and you're like, we're going
1: to stay here. That's yeah, I think like, we decided. About like, I think we decided when we we departed Montreal, or yeah. like in the in the car. Yeah, it makes total sense. I
0: mean, I, I think you know a lot of people are actually leaving cities, right? Not only Toronto, but major cities, um, and and I wonder. How that's gonna impact things in the city, right? I mean, especially with the arts and all of this. I don't know how many artists are actually living in the city, but I know in, in other industries people are just choosing to live, you know, somewhere where they have more space and um, a backyard.
1: Yeah. I <laughs> mean, know? well, of course we're extremely lucky to be in this situation. But right. I think that the uh like whatever situation you're you're in right now, it's it's uh it's hard on everybody. You know, I For was talking sure. to, uh, I was chatting with a fellow artist from uh, Montreal, and I was telling him, "Oh, you know, it was a long weekend this weekend because, like, it was like I think it was Easter weekend, and it gave us time to make some landscaping plans, and then I wrote like." That's like too much time if we have to th- if we have time to think about these things. It's not a good <laughs> time. <story. laughs> but then I was, so I'm kind of complaining because, like, for me, it's a bit of a chore, you know, to be thinking about these things. And, right. But then the answer was like, oh, how I wish, you know, I could just have a shovel in my hand and, you know, be shoveling away whatever, you know, just to be outside and be, be doing something, you know. <laughs> so it's. I think it's there's no way to for me to um evaluate if yeah. my complaints mean anything or if they <laughs> if they're actually complaints or if like if like you know i don't know it's kind of weird but
0: no that's it i mean in some level everybody is feeling not great these days. So nobody can say, oh yeah, no, I mean, you know, you shouldn't feel bad or something like, yeah, everybody feels like shit. (laughs) I
1: mean, it's either all valid or none of it is valid. Or
0: none of it. Yeah, I guess. We're just whiny
2: babies.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh my God. So Nico, um, yeah. So we talked in, I think it was September of 2019. And recently I attended your your artist talk, the online talk at uh,
1: Musée d'Art de Juliet, Joliette Museum of Art.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, and it was interesting because I was listening to your talk, and and I recently had listened to our conversation, and you know, it it's pretty consistent, and that's that's one of the reasons why I reached out to you and said, hey, listen to this, maybe we can put it out. Um, I I have no explanations as of why I didn't really work on it before. I think it was because I think I explained this to you. I think. uh, It was because we talked about the show at Kofler, And so at some point I was like, yeah, I need to, you know, refresh this conversation and and put it out. But honestly, it's, I liked it. I liked it a lot.
1: It came to me as sort of a surprise because I had, you know, certain reservations in terms of, uh, can we, you know, uh, uh, can you you put it out there or not? And I thought that, you know, since the past 15 months or so, like that, things so many things had changed but i yeah. think already like when we did the recording a lot of the ideas that i wanted to work on in the in the in the future or in the near future were you know already to have already you know their stems and they've just been growing uh you know from there since then and it, you know in terms of my my um uh, you know uh, main i don't know like things that i want to uh deal with in my art practice i think that uh, you know it's still pretty much the same you know yeah share, sharing space sharing sharing moments working on things as teams and uh, you know that kind of thing
0: yeah now that that's nice but yeah so it, it's been how many how many shows have you had since we <laughs> talked like four <laughs>
1: five i think it's uh, i think it's i think it's four so after juliette uh, uh, no, after uh, Koffler, I had a. I was part of a group show at the uh, Art Gallery of Burlington uh, called Division of Labor, curated by Suzanne Cart.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: but you know, it's it's a it's a group show. It's kind of hard to to categorize like how these these all these different experiences I think of showing work that I have. But it was a group show. But I built a two story house, so it was like you Know the same envergure, like the mm-hmm. same uh, uh, size or you know, uh, of kind of project that I do in a solo show. But the art gallery of Burlington is so big that uh, yeah, I, just, I could just build this house in there. And then I had the uh, I had a show at uh, uh Plain Sud in, uh-huh. uh, in Longueuil, yeah, uh, which is this uh, uh, art center in the Cjet jet that uh. I went to. So mm-hmm. that was kind of exciting for that show. I did, uh, it was called Le bureau and I like rebuilt the office of the gallery in the gallery. Right. Uh, because they have a very, uh, I think that it was in part to draw attention to like what's going on behind the scenes because the, the visitors would then be intrigued in, you know, seeing what the office looks like in the, in the across the hall, and not yeah. only the exhibition itself. And uh, important part of the activities of Sud is the publication of uh, of uh, documents in relation um, relating most of the time to the exhibitions that are on, but also other stuff. So there's a lot of publication, mm-hmm. and uh, people aren't always aware of that, but they have like a big. Uh, big collection of publications there so it would draw attention to you know the reality of the other activities going on at the center yeah yeah uh, then i had the show at the patel brown gallery That's which right. was actually the i was supposed to do design the booth for uh Patier art fair uh, in montreal and then it was canceled so i just rebuilt the booth in the in the gallery and we like, pretended like it was the actual fair <laughs> yeah. but in the gallery <laughs> that's right and then more recently like you said I had the show in Joliet which was which for which I was asked to design a space for a donation of uh, uh, 20-ish uh, bronze sculptures from uh, relatively you know famous sculptures but yeah. only known in Quebec mostly I think and uh sculptures from like the time of the when the bourgeoisie came into being and uh there was a like the so this new class of people had some money and they wanted to have uh sculptures that would represent more their reality than mm-hmm. that of the of the richer people, aristocracy mm-hmm. uh, aristocracy. And so they were commissioning uh, sculptors to do, you know, something more relevant to them. And uh-huh. uh, so I was my first time like that I would be designing a space to show the work of artists that have passed. And right. I recreated a historical house that's relatively well-known in the area. It's like a historical house. And, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. It's, uh, been, it's been uh, quite a lot of things. It, going I mean, you've been super busy
0: <laughs> through COVID and, uh, and then. And did, didn't you have another show at uh, Oshawa?
1: Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so the, the only show that's, uh, that, that was actually during COVID was the one at the museum in Joliet okay. uh, that I worked on. The other ones were pre pre pandemic. Uh, the show that's up in Oshawa right now is uh, curated by. Uh, uh, matthew kaiba and it's in the loft space of the visual arts center in uh, clarington yeah uh, it's called public space and it's a year-long exhibition uh, for which i designed a space that other artists will be invited to uh show their work in and um uh, uh, put together some uh, workshops for uh, certain groups of the local community, mm-hmm. and that's a ongoing, like evolving space which will be adapted to the needs of each of those artists and whatever they would like to do or show in the space. So, so it again it blends still my work as a technician and yeah. as an artist, and it's all. Very blurry. And that's fine. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's,
0: that's great. You yeah. were telling me about this experience that you had with. Uh, well, I don't know if you had, but you saw that the Joliet Museum interviewed a construction professional
1: yeah.
0: and, and they asked him to to talk
1: about your your work. It's the first time I have a show in a museum, and I was not expecting like all the activities that happen like linked to the exhibition itself and it, so every time I learn about one of these activities, it sort of comes as a surprise and this, uh yeah so they they ask like they interview people to talk about you know what's how certain how the exhibitions they show speak to them. And uh, they chose a construction entrepreneur to talk about the, the talk about the house I built in the, in Juliet with the whole team and he was and it was a stressful experience like I was uh, yeah like I was telling you before because I was you know I was thinking that he would probably be very critical because you know I sort <laughs> of know what I'm doing but yeah. not you know the code. I'm just like I know how to make it so that stuff, holds up and, you know, stays together for, you know, a temporary period of time. But he was, he was, uh, he was uh, apparently pretty satisfied with the work that he did. <laughs> <laughs> he, he approved. He approved. Yeah, he approved. And he, and also, you know, the, the, what's so what's so special about this, this house or about all houses that were built in that time was that the, notably that the uh, the door frames are lower so as soon as you know that information yeah. and you step into this this rebuilt house you understand that it's from another time
0: time yeah even
1: though it's built with you know materials that are you know accessible today and not the materials of back then but
0: uh, I've heard that before is, is it because they were trying to prevent the heat to to leave. Is that is that the uh, is a heating issue or it was like a Maybe. style? I have no
1: clue. Uh, I don't think it was a style thing. Oh no! Everything was. Uh, it must have had a purpose, but I, yeah. I couldn't tell you why. But you know, even the beds were smaller. That's right. <laughs>
0: That's right. Like, we're just getting you know greedier and greedier as time passes. You know, we yeah. just want more.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm sure. King size bed would have been like <laughs> something, you know, fantasy back then. Exactly. Like, yeah. I also remember, you know, when we when I was listening to the podcast that we did uh, the previous recording this is exactly what is happening i was telling you that maybe we should be doing this every week because we can go on and on and on and talk and talk and talk (laughs) maybe i should interview you and then you were like maybe you should be a (laughs) co-host
0: maybe we should be just like doing it together maybe that's what we need to do (laughs) Uh,
1: yeah i don't know (laughs) i I mean again to myself speak that often you know
0: (laughs) you already have like a studio there look at it it's it's nice um but no so how does it feel to live in Kingston like in comparison to to Toronto how does that has uh you know settle into you guys
1: I haven't had the uh the opportunity to quote unquote experience the city yeah. because yeah. for obvious reasons but definitely um, it's uh in the context that we're in right now it's 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 okay because you know we have a a small backyard and we are close to the Lake Ontario and Mm -hmm. uh, there's proportionally, I think a few cases in Kingston compared to per capita compared to Toronto. So it feels kind of safe. And I guess that's something you have to take into consideration when you have a young family for sure. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So it's hard to say, you know, it's hard to say if we like it or not, but we're going to be here for a while because my partner just got uh, noticed that she was accepted to do her Ph.D. at Queens. Oh, that's great. So congratulations here for a few (laughs) years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's the same experience I have, honestly, with Toronto. Right. I mean, when you and I were hanging out in Toronto and you were still here, I was just getting here. That was my first year. Um, yep. In Toronto, building the space, uh, which you really helped us to do. And, and we are really appreciative of that. Um, but also um, the year for us that was going to start really our experience in Toronto was 2020. Right. So right. essentially, my wife has been in, in Toronto like at home for the whole year and, you know, two or three months now. Yep. Um, she hasn't really experienced at all Toronto. So it's a, it's a little bit of a difficult thing, but uh, let's see. Let's see. I mean, hopefully vaccines are going to ramp up sometime in the near year, <laughs> yeah. in the next
1: year or so. Well, I mean, you know, one thing that that's obvious, even though um, I didn't really get to, to live it, but I can anticipate that I won't be doing as, as much work for exhibition install because there's only i think two or three spaces so the like the agnes Etherington center and the modern fuel artist center right i think that's it you know so it's not going to be ever about scrambling from one job to the next so maybe it'll be good for me maybe not i don't know but that's going to be something different for sure eventually i mean i i am going to work at the the agnes eventually but you know it's part-time so
0: yeah have you found any space to work like a studio
1: no nope, i'm actively looking for a studio but yeah. it's. Uh, mm, i don't know there's not that many options so yeah we'll see yeah yeah the, uh, there's there you know there's a lot of vacant industrial like warehouse space but everything is too big there's nothing small so it's oh. either really big or it's too expensive
0: what about yeah prices are, are pretty high too
1: I mean the prices are are okay for the large spaces. Yeah, <laughs> and, I mean, but it's hard to find small warehouse space. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean that that really sounds like a dream. Uh, I I fantasize all the time about finding uh, an untapped warehouse where you know we can build like a, an art space or something like that. That that be awesome. But mm-hmm. you have to leave the city. <laughs> There's nothing around here.
1: I mean, I saw like five thousand square feet warehouses. That's too big. Oh yeah. no, seven thousand, but like seven thousand square feet at fifty cents a square feet. It's super cheap. Oh yeah, per square feet, you know. But... Yeah, but the whole thing, yeah. <laughs> so I haven't figured out that situation yet, mm-hmm. but I'm, you know, actively looking.
0: Right yeah, now. yeah. No, it's especially if it's gonna be a me to long-term plan to stay there. Right. So yeah. it's going to be necessary, but that's good. Um, again, it sounds like, you know, you've been busy, you've been, uh, doing all right. How's your family?
1: Uh, I've been kind of busy, but my priority has been taking care of my family Definitely. Uh, for a while. Uh, there was no daycare, uh, yeah. summer, and, uh, uh, yeah, so that's, uh, you know, art is not my priority right now even it's, for sure uh, just trying to do my best to make sure that you know people close to me stay healthy both yeah. physically and mentally and uh yeah uh, i think there's no way for me to you know even conceive of anything else (laughs) of course no that
0: makes sense that makes total sense for sure
1: (laughs) when i did go to for example to Clarington to do the show you know i I was away for two weeks and it took me about a week to kind of appreciate the experience i was Mm -hmm. so stressed you know because now it's because that has become my priority if i can't you know tend to that priority then it becomes stressful but after a week it was it was feeling a bit better and it was uh, you know there's a lot of things that you just reconsider and the right, yeah. uh, it was special because I was alone I didn't want anybody working with me in the space if they had yeah. one guy help me take out the trash one day but the rest of the time I was in there alone for 12 mm-hmm. hours a day and it was like it felt like building this installation was like more of a like closer to the experience of, uh, uh, for example, a, a painting on a canvas because you're alone uh, doing it, and so this gallery is like the canvas, and there's you don't have to plan ahead. You know, some other projects that I work on is more about managing a team. Yeah, you know, planning stuff ahead. Right. But for this one, it was so open and free and uh, the curator was very generous and not, you know, demanding too much of me in terms of preparation and, you know, just trusted me with, with, uh, you know, with what he knew about me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, so maybe it's one way to reconsider, you know, how I want to work. Yeah. I don't know.
0: This is a question that came up in the artist talk that you just had, and I thought that it was really interesting because you use a lot of construction materials for your pieces, right? <laughs> <The> price <laughs> and, of wood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The cost of, of lumber and and all of that stuff.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I was like that's a good catch. Yeah. It's, uh, <laughs> it was a, it was a good question. I don't. I certainly can't go about things like I used to. I mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen, but I think that's probably good in, in a way because uh, you get in a certain comfort zone and if right. something forces you to you know, rethink what you're doing in terms of what's realistic for you to manage, yeah. in this case it's because of cost, uh, it could be interesting. I mean, it's cheaper to buy the, the steel studs now than it is <laughs> to buy the wood studs. <laughs> so... Yeah, we'll see. Um,
0: yeah. You're going to start building brick walls. and <laughs> Brick walls? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, that's, no, that's good. I mean, I, I expect prices to, you know, stabilize sometime in the near future. I mean, it was just a shortage because of the emergency, but not necessarily because of lack of resources, which, you know, we're heading there, but not yet. Not just now, right?
1: It doesn't really so.
0: matter to me. Right. I don't
1: I don't mind, you know. It's okay.
0: Yeah, I guess it's an opportunity <laughs> as you said. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. That's good. I mean, as you said, Nico, we can probably speak for another hour and a half. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I just wanted to get like a a quick update on where things are for you and so I I knew that a lot of things had happened since the last time we Would record this conversation, but uh, honestly, I don't discount if you're into it and having you over, you know, often (laughs) to talk about, you know, other artists, other conversations with artists. Yeah, as long as it's about other people, that would be (laughs) exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What better way to talk about other people than (laughs) recording it, (laughs) putting it online? (laughs)
1: There's another uh, thing I just wanted to mention. I don't know if you're going to put in the part about uh, my influences growing up, like how my family was, but uh, I kind of strangely forgot to mention, probably I should have my grandfather in whose house I'm staying right now, because he was uh, a photographer, like more of a journalistic type of uh, photographer, but still it might've been an influence, even though I've never done photography, but just like the the possibility of doing such an you know such a thing with your life uh, yeah. maybe, maybe it was an influence it was very strange uh, for me to move to this house and then you know, go through all his stuff in the basement and then listening like a year later or more listening to the podcast and me forgetting to mention that that this could have been a thing. is kind of strange. I don't know why. Maybe it was, I I have no clue why I forgot. But uh, anyway, that might be something. So so
0: was he a photographer? Like that was his profession, like his full life? That's what he did?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. The most most of his life
0: yeah wow for like a newspaper or something
1: yeah he was a photographer for a magazine yeah uh, based in uh california uh that which ran for for about seven years i think like in the back in the time of you know times and uh, life magazine and all these yeah it wasn't yeah. another one less well known but uh he uh yeah, he toured the the world uh, with, you know, different, for different things. Uh, and to, he knew a lot of, uh, I guess, he was always around the, the spotlight. Probably his most quote-unquote famous photography, because he never really was famous. But he did a, a portrait of uh, Marshall McLuhan, which is on one of the, the stamps, canadian stamps of the millennium Mm -hmm. Uh, so there was like a collection in the year 2000 about these stamps anyway uh he was very much a people's person and it was very strange to be isolated in this in this in his house in which he used to have you know so many people over Mm -hmm. and then going to the cemetery to bury him alone Mm -hmm. with my daughter because no one was allowed to go oh
0: so his death happened through through covid he was dead before
1: but the body couldn't be bar- buried because the oh, ground was frozen right, so right when the right. ground unfroze <laughs> then oh, it was no. time to bury him but no one yeah. was allowed to go you know that's so. yeah
0: stuff that's a difficult thing
1: but mm-hmm. uh yeah so shout out to my granddad for possibly you know showing me way a different way to lead my life I don't know how to say it (laughs) no
0: definitely I think that's a it's a beautiful thing yeah and uh, I mean sometimes you know when you sit in front of a microphone it's a weird experience so people do forget to say things sometimes and uh, I'm, 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 I'm happy that you have the chance to you know to give him a shout out now
1: but there's uh yeah there's some things that i'm okay that i said that i'm okay yeah. with and other things that i'm not but i'm okay with you putting it out there
0: oh wow okay well i mean they, we already went through it uh, at the moment that people are listening to this they already listen to whatever you said so <laughs> they already have like an opinion of of us exactly. and uh, <laughs> so we uh we'll, we'll continue to chat nico i'm sure and uh thank you for making time to, to give us an update and, uh, we wish you the best and your family as
1: well. All right. Thanks for the opportunity, Marks. Bye from the beige closet. All right.
0: (laughs) See ya. (laughs) ya. Thank you, Nico. Bye-bye. Okay. So that was my conversation with Nicholas Fleming. If you'd like to take a look at his work, he collaborates with Patel Brown Gallery in Toronto. So you can Find out his work through their website, so that is patelbrown.com and then search for artists and you'll find a list of collaborators and Nicholas Fleming is there. I would suggest you to check out his work, it's it's really hard to talk about visual arts in a podcast, but that's why I ask my questions mostly about, you know, their life and (laughs) their experiences rather than describing their work, but this was very enjoyable. And uh the original music that you listen in this podcast was created by Arcadio Lance, as well as the sound engineering and all the visual design that you can check out in our uh Instagram account as well as Facebook is done by the always sharp Victor Garibai, aka Gary. And I'm the host, Marks, and we'll talk to you soon with another episode. In the meanwhile, stay safe still and make the line for the vaccine. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers.